0: The following is a broadcast service of Kentucky Wesleyan College and WKWC 90.3 FM. Welcome to the Wesleyan Airway, a show where we get to meet a great diversity of people and talk about a plethora of projects. Today I'm extremely proud to have one of our best and most popular professors, Dr. Kyle Biesing in the mathematics department, join me. Kyle, thank you so much.
1: And, no problem, Happy to be here.
0: and I, we were just talking about the quandary of having to put in consecutive work days and the difficulty toward the holidays, but we won 't get into to all of that. I, I do have to ask you uh, before I get too far into it. I, I, I do want you to give uh, just sort of a history of, of yourself and how you got to be at Kentucky Wesleyan College. but I also have to ask, how does a mathematics professor become so popular?
1: Well, uh, a lot of it has to do with my ability to just operate without, uh, you know, self-esteem or (laughs) self-dignity. I really, so it's actually a funny story. Uh, When I first got here, um, I thought that this is, you know, my first real job. I Mm -hmm. have to be this idealized professor type. And I did it for six weeks and <laughs> I hated it. My students hated it. I can give you some names of people and they, they hated me like it cause it just wasn't authentic. Right. Um, and since then I've really just strived to be my authentic self, uh, in the course of my duties as a professor. Um, and I feel like once students see that you're not a robot and that right. you're a real person and that you actually care about who they are as people. Um, you know, they, they just open up in a way that, you know, you don't necessarily always see.
0: Yeah. You know, and that, that is actually really good. And I taught organic chemistry for uh, close to two decades and, and kind of, I found out the same thing. You, you just be yourself. And, and that is the best way to approach the students because they don't want that 1950s caricature of what TV places as a professor. And, and, and nobody wants that anymore. We didn't want that. And, and if we look at our favorite professors, most of them were um, not in, in that mold. And, and they really related very well to the students. So I want to talk to you a little bit more about, about that aspect. But before we go too much further, give me a background of yourself and how you got to be at KWC.
1: So uh, I did my undergrad experience um at the university of southern indiana mm-hmm. uh, in evansville and uh, ironically enough uh, my favorite professor there was very engaging uh, i'm still friends with him to that day it's mm-hmm. kind of the model that i use um and he's really what got me excited about the idea of going to graduate school so i did a year at the university of louisville on um an nsf grant there mm-hmm. uh but I really couldn't find like a good research fit for me. Um, And so I ended up uh, transferring and I went to the university of Alabama, Birmingham uh, for my master's and my PhD in applied mathematics. Um, And I graduated in 2015 and found a home here, uh, you know, right out of grad school. Um, and so there was a lot of growth that happened here, uh, a lot of learning on the job. Um, but I really wanted to find a small liberal arts experience where I could have those meaningful relationships with my students. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my undergrad advisor, you know, came to my wedding and that's the kind of, um, Personal relationship that I really thought improved my education, right? And that's really what you find here, um, and that's why I just I, I've stayed here.
0: And and it's funny the story you tell is a story a lot of uh, professors, especially at smaller institutions, tell. I had the same experience with my undergraduate advisor. He did not come to my wedding. He did threaten to come to my my PhD oral examination, uh, and I I told him that I had other graduate students to sit on the outside of the building and keep him away. Uh, So it it worked out. But he and I are still very good friends. And I think we all have that type of story. And students don't realize that, uh, that we grew up in exactly the same way. And it's just that somebody instilled that love of learning within us. Yeah. So I want to go back a little bit. You were at the U of L for a a year, you said, and then transferred. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's very important because a lot of our students, they get locked into a track and and into an area and they feel like they just have to power through that regardless of whatever is yeah. put in their path. And you realized that you wanted to go for the higher education, but where you were just wasn't working.
1: Yeah. So- I mean, I started undergrad undecided. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I was good at math and I knew I liked it, but I didn't know if I wanted to make a career out of it. Mm-hmm. And then I was secondary education. For a year and a half, thinking I wanted to do be a high school teacher, because um, I loved teaching and I loved math, but then I discovered the the area all the math beyond high school math and um, you know I still couldn't figure out exactly what uh, which of those areas <laughs> I wanted to do um, and so there was an amazing opportunity for at U with this NFS, NSF grant that was primarily teaching focused. Um, and so I learned a lot there as as part of that, but I just didn't find my home in a research field there. Right. Um, and so it was, you know, I didn't. I, I knew I couldn't commit <laughs> to getting through uh, graduate school if I wasn't passionate about the area that I
0: was studying. You're putting in so many hours and so much work that if you aren't completely passionate about it, it it falls apart. So you're at U of L. You were on a. You said it was mainly teaching, and then you transferred. Now, when you transferred, did that remain teaching intensive or did you go more toward a research post-PhD?
1: No, so the the year in Louisville, uh, it was called the Jim's Fellowship. Uh, I don't remember what Jim stands for now. It's really, me. but it was it was uh, a.
0: <laughs> it could have been the name of the person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was math and chemistry graduate students who were okay. paired with middle school teachers in the area to incorporate inquiry-based learning into their curriculum. Okay, so it was my first real impression of inquiry-based learning, which I heavily use to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wasn't actually teaching at U of L. I was teaching in a middle school classroom. Oh,
0: that uh, had to be interesting.
1: Yes. And for all of you who teach middle school, my hat's <laughs> off to you. I, I cannot do it. Uh, but, and so then whenever I went to UAB, um, as a master's student, you basically, uh, you you work in their tutoring center, okay. uh, before you are entrusted with a, with a class to teach as your own, um, so I spent a couple of years in the tutoring center, which was fantastic. Relearning all the stuff that I had forgotten, uh, and then and then I started teaching um, classes. And that's whenever I knew, like this is this is what I want to do.
0: So you obviously did research to get your your PhD with your teaching. When when were you working on your research project?
1: Uh, while I was doing it, I never stopped teaching. Uh, okay. I, I have, I had 13 classes as instructor of record under my belt whenever I finished my PhD, because I just, I was invigorated by it. Um, and so I, I, I just kept, I kept opting into doing it. And I also opted into teaching the classes that the other graduate students didn't want to teach. (laughs) I taught a lot of their like foundations of algebra class, um, for students that just really don't feel like they don't get math because I really like making an impact on those students to show them that that's not necessarily true, right? But, right. you know, you can learn and improve your skills no matter where you are, just right. like any other skill. So I, I I did the course coordinators there a lot of favors because, you know, a lot of people didn't want to teach those courses. And I said I would do it. Um, and then, you know, towards the end, I mean, because we're not a lab science, I, I, you know, the rest of my hours I can be spending working on my research you know, my wife is on the uh, the lab side and would have to run gels and sure and have hours spent waiting for one piece of data, you know. Um, and so it, it's more manageable on the math side to do both.
0: Well, and I have to say it's interesting. We overlap a lot in our thought process. I did the same when I was a graduate student. I always um, volunteered to teach the courses. I loved just teaching the courses and and I did a lab science, obviously, in chemistry. But what I found was if I set up the right experiment, I had at least two or three hours where I could go and, and do my teaching and then come back and, and work everything up. And, and realistically, I didn't lose any time doing that. And it was just so much fun. And uh, I think when you do teach as part of your PhD, you get much more out of that experience. And as you said, when you got here, uh, when you started at KWC, it was a steep learning curve in the, in the classroom. And can you imagine, had you taking a more traditional non-teaching PhD pathway and then suddenly come into having your own class.
1: Yeah, I I can't imagine what that's like because really what it it consisted of is me just going back to the way I taught in grad school. Right. Right, without feeling the pressure of being a professor and having that impact the way that I taught. I was just like, go back to... That grad student who's teaching in flip flops and a math T-shirt and, <laughs> and just enjoying talking about you know material that they find interesting and not trying to be some pillar of knowledge that you know is dispensing facts right. And wisdom
0: <laughs> right yeah they can, they can get that off Google what they what what they want now is is uh, a little bit of entertainment and uh, and some fun in getting the knowledge and uh, it was uh, I, said, I I think. That, I started in doing that based on my undergraduate advisor who where I was enrolled as an undergraduate all the professors had were ties it was you had to be formal so he had the ugliest tie set I've ever seen in my entire life and for years I mimicked dressing in the same manner I had the, I don't know if you ever watched Lucille Ball, the episode where she did the Vitamita Vegemen mm-hmm. and say that five times fast. I had that tie. I had Dolly ties. I had just the ugliest ties you could find is what I would wear into the classroom. It's just to show people you can have fun while you learn. It yeah. doesn't have to be tedious. It doesn't have to be something that you just put in. It's not just time you're putting in. It's, it's the love of, of finding new knowledge.
1: Yeah, mine is socks. I wear okay. fu- funny socks every day. I've got, <laughs> I've got pie socks on today. That
0: uh, and, for, and for those of you out there, that, that, that is not a pie baked in an oven. That is the, the pie 3.14 on and on and on and I on. I do have
1: pie pie socks, which oh, are socks that have baked pies with pie imprinted <laughs> on the top of
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> and you do have to show those to your students when yeah. you walk I into mean, the they, classroom. I mean, it's
1: to the point that they ask, like, yes, what's yeah. the socks today? Like, well, they have to. <laughs> yeah.
0: and, and speaking of pie, you took a couple pies in the face. Yes. Uh, and, and you did that for charity.
1: Yeah. Uh, the United Way had a, uh, a fundraiser where you could pie a professor or... Administrator or staff yep. uh, to raise money, and I was partnered with the esteemed President Mitzel, who did me a huge favor by prepaying for some pies in my face uh, to help discourage people from pieing himself in the face.
0: Well, my thought, my thought was, would they pay to to pie me in the face, or if I prepaid for you? These are undergraduates. They don't have a lot of money. I I was doing them a favor.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the bar wasn't high to get them to pie me in the face. And so it's not like you're trying to overcome a big hurdle here.
0: And you've done that for a couple of years now, that pie in the face.
1: Uh, I've done it twice now because I didn't really do it during covid well uh, and that makes perfect sense uh, yeah and so yeah uh i've done it in the past and and apparently <laughs> i'm a i'm a good money maker <laughs> you're on a this good event.
0: <laughs> you're a good magnet yes they keep it now I, I have to say the thing i really enjoy about a small institution is that you can be involved in so many disparate areas and it makes it so much fun and i see you at just an extremely wide variety of events so you've all obviously bought into what it is to be at a small institution and to have fun outside of your area i remember when i was a postdoc i had 43 people in my group those are the only 43 people i saw my entire postdoc and we didn't really get in you didn't have a chance to go anywhere else and so talk a little bit about being a professor at a small college and and what you get to do outside of your classroom
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, for comparison's sake, 43 isn't that much smaller than our entire faculty here. I think we're at 48, 49, (laughs) something like that. Um, And so, like, the ability to know the entire faculty is very reasonable, right? And you can't, you know, just say, I'm going to talk to people in my field because for the longest time while I was here, that was one other person. (laughs) And while I like him, right. (laughs) Right. uh, That's only one person. Um, And so there's just by necessity, you have to at least get out of that silo and meet other people And then whenever you meet people that are different than you, you inevitably just find things that are interesting. Um, And I just, I make a habit of, because I know my students and because I know what they're interested in, and I want them to buy into the thing that I'm interested in, I'm going to buy into the things that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. So if they're involved in theater, I'm going to go to the production. If they're involved Mm -hmm. in athletics, then I'm going to go to the competition because I want them to see that I'm buying into them the same way I want them to buy into me. Right. Um, I, I mean, I try to phrase my relationships with my students as a reciprocal. You know, this isn't one way where you're the only one putting in the work, right. right? This is a joint effort that we're trying to succeed together. This isn't you trying to beat me to get the grade that you want, <laughs> right? I'm on your team. Um, and I feel like that's just an, a wonderful way to show them that you, that you care and that you're supporting them. And then that just translates into positive energy in the classroom.
0: And I, I totally agree. And I think they actually see you as uh, more of a real person. I remember uh, having a, a student saw me at a grocery store one time when I was first beginning and their eyes almost bugged out of their head like a professor should not be in a public place and and I remember just giggling and uh, the one thing I love here the faculty are really out and, and and you're one of the best leaders in that area you are at all the different events you're talking to students are doing all the, you're really forming that community to show them that education is fun and you can have a normal life as a professor, and and be very good at what you do educationally, but but still be a Saturday dad you know, yeah. and whatever else you need to be doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it worked out really well that my son was born at the end of my first year here. Um, And so he was adorable. He still is adorable. Uh, And so a lot of it was like, can you bring Marshall to this thing? Can you bring him here? And so it wasn't so much that they wanted to see me uh, Hmm. as it was that they wanted to see him. Uh, But that also just got me involved in a lot of things that uh, I didn't even quite know that we had here. And so um, I've, I've liked the... The additions that we've had on campus, like the Stall Street Journal and, mm-hmm. and and ways of just broadcasting everything that's going on, um, because it just makes it really easy. Like, you don't have an excuse to not right. know what's going on on campus. And I think it really helps people to just try new things. On well, and
0: even this radio show, we have 25 students who work in this radio station alone, and they get to broadcast a diverse array of of programming i always listen to the station uh, except when i'm on then i turn it off but i always listen to what the students are doing and, and it's so interesting just so much fun and that that is something they don't get that opportunity at a larger institution either yeah so
1: and i also enjoy that you know from the students that i'm aware that are involved with the radio station is they're not all communications majors right right because you know At a school like this, you kind of have to be interdisciplinary. Like a math club is not solely based on from math students because we don't have enough math students. (laughs) Right. And so we have to reach out and provide programming that other majors are going to find interesting and engaging. And I think that just brings the value of all these offerings up that you're not restricting it to one type of person.
0: And that is a great insight that you've just given. And we try to tell people that learning is lifelong. And when you have non-math majors who are part of the math club, that really just sort of solidifies what it is we do as an institution. And what a wonderful example of lifelong learning and getting outside your comfort zone and and just learning for learning's sake, for the love of of picking up new tidbits of information. We are, well, we're three minutes over. So (laughs) Derek's going to be mad at me. He's always mad at me. I'm always over. Thank you so much. As my guest on the show, I would love to give you the opportunity to tell our audience something as we as we sign off.
1: Uh, math Club meets every other Friday at <laughs> noon in Admin 210. And also, I've never heard of anybody who looks back at their college experience and says that they took too much math.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way to end the show. So for everybody out there, be good to each other. And most important of all, be good to yourself. And until next time. Goodbye. The proceeding was a broadcast service of Kentucky Wesleyan College and WKWC. Cannot be reproduced, rebroadcast, or recorded without written permission by the show's host, WKWC or Kentucky Wesleyan College.